see what all God has for us here in this new series. We're going to take a look at the life of Moses and see how God took him from a man who was not driven to a man who became passionate for serving God, seeking God, and setting captives free. I hope you enjoyed our uh, race car out here in the lobby area today. It belongs to Carl Large right here. The driver for that race car is here, so uh, I'm sure Carl will be hanging around out there giving autographs, right? <laughs> or at least just hanging around. Yeah, come talk to Carl about his car. He really races that car. It's crazy. I, I've seen some cars he's, he's raced in the past. I've seen some of them do this. Yeah, and we were afraid Carl wasn't going to come back from one of those, but he's here today. Amen. You know, it was in uh, 1885 that the first gasoline-powered car was built. And I always had in my mind that that was uh, Henry Ford, but it wasn't. It was a man named Carl Friedrich Benz. Yeah, you recognize that name, Mercedes Benz. He designed this car that is in a museum today. You can go on YouTube, you can see this car, and you can see that it still runs today. They start it. And it runs. A car engineered, designed, crafted to be driven. It wasn't meant to just sit in a garage. It wasn't meant to just stay in a museum, even though that's where it ended up. It was intended to be driven. You and I have been crafted by God, highly engineered, created to be fueled and driven with a passion, a passion greater than perhaps you even understand today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Moses, how he became a man who was driven. You know, Jesus was very clear that those who believed in him would actually be driven people. I'm afraid that we have, um, we've lost the meaning of that. I'm afraid we've kind of settled into something that we've accepted as the norm, but it's not. We've settled into this idea that life is kind of about go to work, go to school, do your thing, come home, rest, repeat. Go to work, go to school, come home, rest, repeat. Get to the weekend, hope to do something fun, crash, hope I have enough energy to go to church, crash, Monday, go to work, go to school, rest, repeat. We've settled into this thing that life is really more about trying to make some money, trying to have some fun, and try to just survive. From what I read about the words of Jesus Christ, that is nowhere near what you and I were designed for. Jesus said, the ones who believe in me the ones who believe my word, there will be a river erupt within them and it will flow from them. They will be fueled with a passion. I'm afraid we've even missed the meaning of Jesus saying that he has come that we might have eternal life. I'm afraid that we've just interpreted that as something that happens after we die. When Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundant, and we have a eternal life, he was saying, I have come so that you might have 
pulsing within you into the very fiber of your DNA, the very life of God. I'm going to tell you, that's different. That's a whole lot different than get up, go to work, go to school, come home, rest, repeat. I'm telling you, God is filled with life. Life flows from him. He doesn't need anything given to him. He has life, life just coursing from him, just being. And he's come so that we might have that same kind of life within us. And as we look at the life of Moses, we're going to see how that happens. We're going to take about nine weeks through this process. We're going to see Moses from, from birth all the way to death. We're going to see how God creates him into this, this person who is just pulsing with passion to make a difference. Now, we're going to do something a little unique through this series that we haven't done before. We're actually going to have three Sunday evening th- services That's kind of different for us. Sunday evening services. But in these three Sunday evening services, we're going to help us come to understand how God has designed us. He has uniquely created and crafted each one of you. Your life is not an accident. You have what you have by the very hand of God today. Your your personality that you have You may think you're quirky and weird. Others might think you're quirky and weird. But I'm going to tell you what. The personality, your relational style that you have has been given to you by God. And he has given it to you for a reason. If you don't understand that, you will struggle in your relationships. You'll struggle at work. You'll struggle just going through the routine of life. Now, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have also been given a spiritual passion inside. Something that was awakened in you the day you came to Christ. Something that changed everything about you. And you might not understand it all yet, but he's given it to you. He's gifted it to you. And there's a new passion within you. And when you come to understand your spiritual passion or gift, the Bible says, this new direction, this new interest, this new passion, this new way of seeing life, when you understand that, then you begin to experience blessing like you haven't before because you'll be walking in sync with the way God made you. So on the 17th in the evening, I'm going to walk you through a look at the relational styles that people have. You'll actually get to take a profile that evening and you'll walk out of here with an understanding of how God has created you, why you see people the way you do, why you relate the way you do, why certain settings are ones that you enjoy more than others, and you'll even understand how to relate to that person that you call spouse or child or mom or dad. Oh, you won't want to miss that. On the 17th, we'll do that. On the 24th, I'm going to help you understand how to know what your spiritual passion is, what your gifting is, because you've been given a gift. You've been given a passion. When you understand that and you walk in it, you're going to see God work in your life in some fresh ways. The third week on October 1st, we're going to put all that together with a look at how do I understand the events of my life from the beginning till now. Hey, every one of us in here, 
from birth till now have had some great days and some bad days, right? God uses every one of them, your strengths and your weaknesses, your successes and your failures. He uses them, but if you don't understand them, and you're trying to hide them, and you're trying to run away from them, you're going to miss how God has created you. But I'm going to tell you, when you put all three of these together, you're going to understand something about how God has made you, and you're going to see a drive come alive within you that you haven't before. So we'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. 17th, 24th, October 1st, be here on Sunday evening for something we're calling Under the Hood. So let's get on to Moses. Moses is our guy. If you want to turn to the Old Testament... Uh, I'm going to read this verse here that's on screen to you in just a moment. Um, if you want to look it up, help yourself. Moses, man, one of the guys in the scripture that is known as one of the great men of faith. In fact, we'll see in just a moment that in Hebrews chapter 11, he's listed as one of the great men of faith. And we'll see how that came about. But just think about some of the things that you know about Moses. He was a guy who grew up in Egypt. And he actually became a savior for his people to lead them out of bondage. He was a guy who met God at a burning bush. He was a guy who God called to go back into Egypt and set a nation free. He was the man who went to the most powerful man in the world at the time and said, let my people go. He was a man who established the Passover meal under God's direction. He's the one who led his people out. He's the one who held his staff up over the Red Sea and the waters parted. He was the man that God gave the Ten Commandments to. He was the man that God used to write the law and the commandments. He was the man that established the priest and the priesthood. He was the man who established, by God's direction, what it meant to bring sacrifices and have the people's sins paid for. Moses is the guy. Moses is the one that God gave direction to for leading the people. Moses is the one who God gave direction for building the tabernacle, the very holy place of God. Can you imagine all of this success, all of these joys, all of these crazy big things that God did in Moses' life? But Moses wasn't always so faith-filled. Moses wasn't always so determined and driven. See, Moses for a while was the guy who was lacking self-control. He was the guy that let his anger get the best of him. He was the guy that repeatedly had to ask God for confirmation that he really was who he said he was. Moses was the guy who was afraid to go where God had called him to go. Moses was the one who said, Lord, you, you can't send me. I'm afraid to speak. I don't know how to speak. I don't think I can do this. Moses was uncertain. Moses was fearful. Moses was doubting everything that God said to him. And God even said, okay, I'm going to send your brother with you, though, and you're going to go. But Moses wasn't always this faith-filled, driven man. But when you come to the end of Moses' life, you read these verses that are on screen, I'm going to read them to you. From Deuteronomy 34. Now, I, I realize that Deuteronomy is, is a book that Moses wrote. But when you get down to the very last chapter, these aren't Moses' words. They're Joshua's words about Moses. It's at the end of his life, and here's what the Scripture says in these verses. It says, but since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, 
in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in Egypt before Pharaoh, before all of his servants and all his hand in the land. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in all the sight of Israel. Moses was recognized as a man who knew God, who walked with God, whose heart beat for God. He was a man driven. So when I think about this series and where we're going, my prayer is for us as a church that we become a people who are just passionately obsessed and driven to seek after God, where that takes over everything in our life, where it's not just a piece of our life, but it it is what our life pursues. It, It becomes this direction over every element of our life. So join me in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at one verse today. How about that? Surprised? We'll see how all that goes. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 is where you are. If you want to turn your Bible, find this verse. If you want to look on your iPad, iPhone, Bible app, whatever you've got today. Hebrews chapter 11 gives a look at some of the great men and women of faith. And in verse 23, it starts with a, a description of Moses. And it gives us this insight into how he became who he became. He didn't start, as we said, as a man driven, but he finds his start right here. The real story, of course, is written in the book of Exodus. Hebrews is the summary looking back. It's kind of the Cliff Notes version of all of Moses' life. So in verse 23, it says this. Here it is. Watch this. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. You know, every week I'm just in awe of how important every word of Scripture is. God doesn't waste words. God doesn't just throw in some for fluff. Every word is important and essential. So today's story reveals something about Moses, how he became a man driven. So to understand this time where Moses is born, you've got to realize he was born into a time in which his people, a nation of people, were slaves. You see, ancestors back were Joseph, who had gone into Egypt and actually been a savior for his people. But the Bible says that time had passed and there began to be new rulers in Egypt who did not know Joseph. And so the tide begins to turn. The culture begins to shift. The political powers that be changed. And no longer was this view of the Hebrew people with great favor. Now the view of the Hebrew people was with disdain, was with anger, was with resentment. And they became a slave class in Egypt. And this is what Moses is born into. He's born into a time when the Hebrew people have no rights. They have very few, if no, possessions. They have no sense of, boy, life's going to be wonderful. Instead, they know they're going to live a lifestyle of pain and hard work. There's no hopes of freedom. There's no hopes of being able to express their faith. It's just going to be a life of hardship. And in the midst of all of this, we see a couple... A couple 
gets pregnant. And they have a boy, Moses. And it's really here that we see that although it says by faith Moses, you know from looking at this, who has the real faith in this? It's the parents. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Oh, you see, Moses' parents are the ones with the faith. Moses' parents are the ones who believe God. Moses' parents are the ones who are living at the time when they are a slave class. Moses' parents realize all of this, and they become pregnant anyway. And when they have this child, they do so by faith. That's important. By faith, they have this child. So, there's some powerful parenting principles we're going to see in this today. So parent, get ready to take a few notes. There's some things that are also going to be important for our own lives so that every one of us understand what it means to be driven. So here's first big point today. Here it is. These parents, they believe God had a, has a, or had a wisely engineered purpose for Moses. They didn't think, uh-oh, looks like we're pregnant. Uh Uh-oh, what's going to happen to us? Oh, my. By faith, they believed this baby given to them was going to make a difference. Mm. Parents, hope you're listening here. If you want to really stir your child and your children to places of great faith in their life, parents, please, please, never Refer to your children as accidents. Now, I know sometimes that stuff happens. I know it does. But parents, if you pass along to your child that they were an afterthought, accident, oops, whatever, you're passing on to them a lack of purpose. It might have been your whoops, but God has no whoops. He'll take your whoops and do something big with it. He will change the course of a nation with what you might think is your whoops. And the way you help that happen is you tell your child and your children, God planned for you to be here at this time for you to be in our family, for you to be in this city, for you to be placed here at this time for his purposes. I'm telling you, that'll change some things in a child's life. Jerry Phillips tells a great story about that. I don't want to steal all of Jerry's story, but someday ask Jerry about what his parents passed on to him and how faith changed a life for him. Good enough, Jerry? All right, y'all go see Jerry. So Moses' parents, they have a baby at a time where it's not just only, this is not a good, good idea economically. You know, they could have easily said, we're so poor, we can't really afford to have any children. Right? People say that. They might have said, you know, this is not really just a good political time to have children. They could have said, you know, this is really just not a good social climate to have a child into right now. It would have been easy for Moses' parents to have said all of that. 
But they didn't let any of that affect their thoughts. Instead, they said, God, we believe when you give a child, it is an inheritance from you. You don't make any accidents. You don't say whoops. You are the one who opens the womb and closes the womb. You are the one who gives purpose. You are the one who has intentions for every child born. And so, God, by faith, we will believe you. And they were going to have a child at a time when it wasn't just economically unfeasible, but they were going to have a child at a time when the Hebrew people were so despised and looked down on that commands had been passed by Pharaoh that said this, if you have a baby girl, she can live. If you have a baby boy, he's to be put to death immediately. He's to be tossed into the river and not allowed to live. And it is into that setting that Moses' parents have a baby. And that's why it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. They didn't want to tell anybody. They didn't want anybody to know they had had a baby boy. Can you imagine the work and the effort they would have gone through to keep this baby boy quiet? To keep this baby boy out of sight? To keep this baby boy safe? To keep him hidden? They did so because they believed God had a purpose for this child. God is not random. God doesn't have whoops. And so can you imagine, as Moses is growing up, and stories are being told, and they're reading bedtime stories to Moses, guess what they're telling him? They're telling him the story of when he was young. Moses, we've cared for you. We've loved you. Can you imagine the stories? Moses, when you were just a baby, we hid you. We loved you so much that we hid you. We believe God so much that we hid you. We believe God's word so faithfully that we hid you. Moses, we believe God had a purpose for your life, so we hid you. We were willing to face whatever because we believe God had a purpose and had a plan. God has a purpose for each and every one of us in this room this morning. You are not here by accident on this planet. You are not here by accident or chance even today. God is a sovereign God who works and arranges the events of our lives for his glory and for his purposes and to change us. Amen? That's why we take times like this and we count them even as holy times. Amen? We count every moment of our day as under God's hand. Moses' parents believed that God had wisely engineered a purpose for Moses. Parents, help your children see that they are loved, that they are treasured, that they have purpose, that they are not an accident, that God even has purpose in their life for one day changing the lives of countless others. Instill that in them. 
Teach them. Help them understand that. Remind them. Fill them with hope. Fill them with promise. They've got a purpose in their life. It's not just to be prosperous. It's not just to be at peace. It's not just to be popular. It's not just to have pleasure. God has engineered all of our days and our time here. Second big truth we want to walk away with this morning is that his parents believed that Moses was fearfully and wonderfully crafted by God. Now the verse says that because they saw he was a beautiful child. And I'm sure there was a whole lot of mom and dad emotion that went into seeing a new baby. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you know that feeling of love that you just instantly have when you've never even seen this person before, but you instantly love them. When Moses' parents saw him, they had no idea of what awaited Moses. They had no idea that his eyes would see a burning bush one day. They had no idea that his hands would be the very ones to write the law. They had no idea that his arm would be the one that would be lifted up over the Red Sea and the waters would part. They had no idea that his feet would stand one day on a place that God would say, this is holy ground. They had no idea that this little voice that was crying would one day be the voice that would say, let my people go. Yet it all was here in this baby because they believed by faith that God had given him to them. Now, I know what happens in our lives. We think, and it would have been great if I could have known that when I was a child. If I could have heard that. If I could have known those things. But you see, some stuff has happened in my life. I mean, I've, I've been places I shouldn't have, and I've done stuff I shouldn't have, and I've failed at some things, and I've made a mess of some things, and I've broken some relationships, and I've caused so much hurt, and I've, I think I've just kind of broken my life. I don't know that I can get anywhere else now because of what I've done. And so many believers at that moment, they just think and assume, I guess God can't use me. I've made a mess. I've blown it up. I've made a wreck in my life. I'm going to tell you what. Because of what Jesus Christ has come to do, your failures become the greatest way to glorify his forgiveness. So don't hide your failures. Your strengths, you think, are your greatest asset. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your weaknesses are your greatest asset. Because in your weaknesses, he is made strong. That's when his glory shows. Oh, you see, now you're upsetting the apple cart of Satan. He doesn't like all this kind of talk because that's what he's got you held down with already. He's got you down with your failures. He's got you down because of your past. He's got you down because of your weaknesses, and he's loving all of that. But the gospel comes along, and it flips it all. And you say, 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer going to just just run because of my weaknesses. I'm going to glory in them because then Christ looks strong in me. Oh, this changes everything all of a sudden. And when you recognize you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, watch this, not just your best parts, but even your gory parts. Even those God uses to show his greatness. In Romans it says, where sin abounded, where it was just mushrooming and just putrefying and wrecking lives where sin abound grace abounds all the more and God comes in and takes your sin and he removes and he heals and he forgives and he sets you on a new path he changes things when you understand something about God's design for your good parts and your gory parts It'll do something inside you. It'll ignite a drive inside you if you let it. But if you keep hiding your weaknesses, keep hiding your sin, keep hiding your failures, you're going to continue to be wrapped up as a pawn of the evil one. So Moses' parents, they get it. They get that he's been placed here at this time for a purpose. They get it that he has been crafted by God for a purpose, something bigger than they could even see in their day, but something they must have prayed for. Can you imagine those parents? Anytime there was a child born, they were probably praying, God, will this be the one? Let this be the one that delivers us. Let this be the one who's the future for us. Let this be the one who sets the captives free. Let this be the one who changes everything for us. I have to believe that Moses' parents had that kind of faith because this verse says they did. But the verse goes on and also says this. It's our, our big, our point number three. They let their faith in God be bigger than fear of the circumstances. You see, not only did they think he was a beautiful child, but it says, and they were not afraid of the king's command. They weren't afraid of the fact that the king had said, if you have a baby boy, he's going to be killed. If you have a baby boy, he's only going to be put to death. And if you have a girl, she's just going to end up slave class like the rest of you. That's not one of those times that you think, this would be a great time to have a baby. Unless, unless you're a person of faith and you say, you know what? God has purpose. And I may not be the one to make changes, but I'm going to have a child, and that child's going to change things. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to raise them up. You know that's what we do here at Vertical Church, right? Right now there's kids upstairs in Kids Church. You, you know what we're doing, right? We're teaching them God's Word, right? You know that. You know we're trying to impart faith into them, right? You know we're trying to build them up to understand who Jesus is. You know that's what we do on Wednesday nights with our students, right? We do. We teach them truths like this. We build them up. We plant truth deep into their hearts. On Wednesday nights right now, we're going through a series about the life of Joshua. And we're calling the series, This Is Your Time. Because it is. 
I want these students to know. I want them to know God has a purpose for their life. I want them to know he's called them for a reason. I want them to know that that they are not an accident. They are not some just number on a page. They have been uniquely placed, prescribed, and designed by God for such a time as this, and he's going to use them mightily if they'll trust him with their life. That's what we do here at Vertical Church. We make the faith bigger than the fear. We make the promises bigger than the problems. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's problems out there. But we're not going to huddle in here in fear. We're going to gather together, and we're going to raise each other up in faith, and we're going to send people out to be the ones who make a difference in our day. And the next generation, and the next generation. Amen? It's okay to clap for that. That's good news. Hello, that's what we're all about here. You see, for Moses' parents, the economy was against them. The political scene was against them. The culture was against them. It wasn't safe. The law of the land was against them. The leader of the land was against them. The people of the land were against them, but it didn't stop them. They said, we're going to have this baby by faith, and he is going to change the world. They weren't afraid. They weren't afraid of all of the circumstances. Now, you might think, man, this is just great stuff. Love it. But if you're actually following the story in the Old Testament, the story at this point takes a dark turn because the verse said that they hid him for three months. Three months of trying to keep him quiet, not letting soldiers and guards and the king's people come in, trying to make sure no one saw, no one knew. But in the book of Exodus, it says there came a time where they couldn't keep him hid any longer. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes, a little basket, a boat, if you will, for him, dabbed it with asphalt, not the kind of baby smell you normally think of, and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. Moses' parents knew as great as their faith was, as great as the potential was, as great as the promise was, they knew they could not keep him in their own hands forever. There came a day where they had to release Moses from their hands in order for him to become everything that God had for him to be. It's true. Now, if you're an older parent in the room, you have done some of that already. You've had to go through times. And parents, it's what we do the whole process, really. You know, whether they're two or they're 12, it just seems like you're in this continual state of just slowly letting them go, slowly backing up, slowly letting them out to experience life. But there's something different happening here. This is not just a child grows up and mom sends him off because he's only three months old. That's not send your child off to college time. 
three months, and it's time, and she has to let him go. You see, Moses represented to his parents the future. Moses represented to his parents everything that they dreamed of, all the hope, all the longings. And they came to a point where they could no longer keep him for themselves. They had to let him go. Our fourth point this morning is this, our last point. They surrendered their will so they could see God work his will for Moses. As a parent, it's so tough sometimes because you want to keep exercising your will over your, parent, over your children, right? You want to try to keep them safe. You want to try to make sure they always do everything right and they never experience any failures. And, and one of the things I've come to see is that, especially as Christian parents, one of the things that we do is try to keep our child from ever failing, right? Nobody wants their child to sin and fail and get into all kinds of problems. So you, you build up all these expectations and rules and commands and things. Do this, don't do this. Make sure you do this, don't do this, do this. All that kind of stuff. But what I've realized, as important as that is, I've got to make a place for when they do fail for them to come to me. Hey, watch this, parents. Your children are going to fail. They will sin at some point. I don't care how many rules, guidelines, laws, circumstances, consequences you've built. Your children will sin. Have you built a place for them to come to you when they do? That's really what the call of the Christian parent is. But that's just kind of a side point in our discussion this morning. You see, the real issue is, is that each of us have a life that God's given us. You've got your own vision of the future still. I don't care what age you are, if you're 15 today or 35 or 53, you've got some vision still of your future. You've got some hopes and some dreams God's crafted you, God's made you, God's put you here for a purpose. But I'm going to tell you, there has to come a point in your life where you take your hands off of what you think your future is and allow God to have all of it. Moses' parents had to put him in the basket and watch him drift downstream. And they had to walk away. You have hopes and dreams for your life in the future. But if you don't ever come to the place where you say, God, it's not my will be done, but your will be done, then you'll never get to experience the real passion and drive that God has for you. If you keep trying to work it all out yourself, promote yourself, make your plan work, Get this person to do this thing and this person to do this thing. If you keep trying to do all of that, you'll be smack dab worn out. But if you come to the place where you say, God, I trust you. You've given me a vision, a hope for my marriage, for my children, for my future, for my home, for my wife, for my husband, for my mother, for my father, for my family, for my neighbors, for my church, for my community, for my country. If God's given you a vision for any and all of that, 
there comes a place where you've got to be willing to put it in the basket and let God have complete control of it. Complete control. All him, not you. All him. When you do, then, then you'll recognize a drive come alive within you. Because it won't be all about fear anymore. It won't be all about what if. It'll all be about, God, I trust you completely with what you have given me. Let's wrap this up today. I want to see us have our drive ignited, every one of us. It's going to be a process. I hope today that the key made it in the ignition, at least in your heart. I hope today you see that God has uniquely and intentionally placed you here. He has a purpose for your life. And that purpose begins in surrender. So our question as we come to the end of our day is this, is what will you do with your Moses? Your Moses is your future. Your Moses is your life. Your Moses is your marriage, your finances, your job, whatever it is. What are you going to do with it today? Will you keep trying to manage it and protect it, keep it for yourself? Or will you say, God, it's yours. You gave it to me. I'm here just to do what you say with it. I want to read something to you that's written by a man named Bob Moorhead. It's called Unashamed. I hope the heart of what he says becomes the heart of who we are as the people of God in this place, in this day, in this time. He says this, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line and the decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus. I won't look back, go back, hold back, let up, slow down, back away, hesitate, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present remade, and my future re-aimed. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, cuddleless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, easy giving, dwarfed goals, deficient faith, and cheap grace. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, prestige, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence. I lean by faith. I love by patience. I lift by prayer, and I labor by power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My gift is grace, and my God is good. My road is narrow, and my way is rough. My companions few. My guide reliable. My mission clear, and my power sufficient. I cannot be bought Compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, distracted, deterred, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, 
negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, wilt in the heat of battle, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, or burn up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, worked up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I walk in good company. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go until he comes. Give until I drop. Preach until all know. Stay awake until the work is finished. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no trouble recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Amen. Amen. That's the heart I want us to gain as part of Vertical Church here. We are not here by accident. We are not here by the will of man. We have been destined for this moment, called for this purpose. The condition in our land and the calling of our Savior have reached a cross point right here. And it's time for you and I to step up to the plate. This is our time. This is our time to respond. This is our time to no longer just live in mediocrity. This is our time. Would you stand with me and pray? This morning, our response is in two directions. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this is your time. This is your time. You've heard now about his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his strength, his power. This is your time to say, God, I confess my sins to you. I need a Savior. Come into my life. If you're a believer today in Jesus Christ, this is your time as well. Because it's come to your point. It's come to your time where you have to evaluate where you live today, how you live today, what you've been doing up to this point. And you've got to evaluate what you're going to do from this point forward. Will you keep living the mundane or will you begin following everything that Jesus has called you to? Will you walk in that? That's what he's called us to. Would you bow your heads with me?